With this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams. Imagine traveling nearly 400 million miles to witness an asteroid field that likely dates back to the beginning of our solar system. That's the cover story for the September issue of National Geographic magazine as they take a behind-the-scenes look at NASA's upcoming Lucy spacecraft mission to the Jupiter Trojans. I recently talked with National Geographic science writer Michael Greshko about the story. Yeah, this is sort of an outgrowth of some of the, the beat reporting that I had been doing for a few years as a member of National Geographic Science Desk. Um, there has been this you know, amazing drumbeat of you know, new discoveries uh, of objects. And, and what originally kind of got me thinking about small bodies in the solar system was the 2017 discovery of an object that's now called Oumuamua. Mm -hmm. the, the first large sort of interstellar object seen passing through the solar system. It formed around another star and came through our neck of the woods. Um, and that really got me thinking about all of the really exciting stuff that's happening on the small end of things. Um, and this sort of then grew into looking at asteroid sample return missions and sort of the upcoming suite of uh, NASA and international missions to um, other asteroids throughout the solar system. So it felt like now was a really good time for not just myself, but for readers also mm -hmm. to kind of take a step back, take stock of where we are and where we're going with this really exciting avenue of research. The, the Lucy mission, I believe is their window is still, they're looking at um, the middle of, of next month to launch, and they're going out to um, explore the, the Trojan asteroids. Um, yes. Which is completely, I mean, which is incredibly fascinating just, just by itself. What are, what are they hoping to, to learn when in this mission? Yeah, so the Jupiter Trojans are kind of two swarms of asteroids. Um, that each have very similar orbits to Jupiter. If you sort of imagine the solar system from overhead as like a clock face, whenever Jupiter strikes midnight, the tr Trojan swarms are basically at 10 and 2. <laughs> um, and these bodies, based on where they are relative to Jupiter, seem like they kind of got caught in these orbits very early in the solar system's uh, evolution. And so, but these objects are, are, at least from what we can tell from telescopes, very different from each other, mm -hmm. very different colors and that sort of thing. And so it's likely that they, that these, while they orbit, you know, with Jupiter today, they probably formed in all sorts of different places within the solar system at different distances from the sun. So by sending a spacecraft like Lucy out on this really wild, multi-year <laughs> mission to try to fly by kind of a, a, a diverse sample of these objects. They hope to actually see these objects up close for the first time and hopefully get a sense of how old they are, where they formed, when they formed, and what that then means for kind of how they settled into um, their current configuration. So mm -hmm. it should be a really exciting mission. And this, this population has never been observed up close before. So when we look at 
the images that Lucy sends back, they will give us our first really resolved glimpses of, an, of this kind of object in the solar system. If I remember correctly, I think weren't they? I think were they first observed back in the early maybe 1900s, but they date back. They think to the beginning of our of our solar system. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the the really fun story of not just the Trojans, but um, the asteroids and comets and such you know, in general. Mm -hmm. These objects are um, very old. They formed, you know, they're basically leftover building blocks from the the formation of the solar system, you know, four and a half billion years ago. Um, but because they're so small, they don't, they're not producing any of their own light. It's all reflected sunlight. So they're so mm. small, and many of them are so distant from the sun and us, that it takes really, really good equipment to actually be able to see them and pick them out. Um, and that technology has improved really dramatically in the last, like, three decades. Um, we, there's slightly more than a million known asteroids, for example. Mm -hmm. um, we've discovered 90% of those since the year 2000. Um, so, like, the pace has truly been exponential. Mm. Now, I know that uh, you had the, uh, the distinct opportunity to actually go in and, and s at least, if I remember correctly, seeing this spacecraft in the process of, of, of it being, being, being put together. What, what was that like? It was extraordinary. Um, I have never done anything like that. Um, it, was, it was amazing. I think the first um, impression I had was, you know, I knew like in the abstract how seriously they take um, hygiene and decontamination. It was another thing to experience that. So I had to wear this sort of full body suit with like a hood and, you know, it was all masked up, um, had taped, my gloves taped on, um, wearing, you know, full kind of protective booties and everything. They even had to give me um, a special kind of paper on which I could take notes mm. because normal paper has the risk of shedding paper fibers. So they even went that, that step, which was, which was fascinating to me. And then to be in this space, it, it was obviously a very different thing, but it really reminded me of that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when it, it, in the later in the movie where they're testing Wonka vision and they're all wearing the suits and they go into the white room. And, uh, it it kind of rung that bell for me, but it was it was so fascinating to see to to see this spacecraft kind of disassembled, partially assembled. Um, seeing some of the components being tested and you're looking at this, you know, exquisitely kind of constructed rig and you can appreciate the engineering and, you know, ingenuity of it on one level, but then to think this thing is going to space, this thing is going to be like out, you know, exploring these asteroid swarms in the neighborhood of Jupiter, you know, in just a few years time and thinking about how extraordinary it is to, I need mean, to be present with that thing. And that that's still sort of, I can't fully wrap my head around. Mm. You'd mentioned this is, a, I guess, kind of a, a lengthy mission. I, think I read somewhere they're looking at at least um, 12 years and, and maybe longer out in, in, into uh, the early 2030s. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 
it's a really it's a fascinating thing with with so many of these space missions they take so long to plan and space is really big <laughs> so <laughs> it takes many years for these objects to get to where they plan on going um lucy's flight plan is actually super cool um it's going to be in orbit around the sun uh, but it does a couple of exquisitely timed flybys of Earth, which sort of get it to, you know, on the long um, side of things as it sort of arcs out and then comes back toward the inner solar system. It kind of arcs out into the neighborhood of Jupiter. And it does these really precision flybys on kind of each of those kind of circuits out toward Jupiter and back again. It's doing these exquisitely timed and positioned flybys. They're flying within, um, gosh, I think it's within 600 miles or so of, of these objects, and they've mm. planned this all out, you know, with flybys through 20, I think the, the, the Trojan specifically, it's 2027 to 2033. Mm-hmm. And they've got all of that sort of planned out already to, like, remarkable precision. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what these, you know, uh, astrodynamicists and these flight engineers can do to get the spacecraft where it needs to be pointed at these objects when everything is going, you know, thousands and thousands of miles an hour relative to everything else. It's amazing. And if, if I remember correctly, there's something that kind of unique too. That the, the, this particular the Trojan asteroids, um, they're both within the gravity of Jupiter and the Sun. Uh, uh, Co- correct. Uh, yeah. So there are a, uh, a variety of so when you have a given object orbiting the sun, um, there's a couple of, they're called Lagrange points. They're these mm-hmm. sort of gravitational, almost like neutral points of sorts, um, where the gravity of the planet and the gravity of the sun and the, um, the, the velocity of the orbit cancel out in a sense. Um, it means that you can sort of, be there in a stable fashion or you can kind of orbit these points in a stable fashion. There's a version of this out past the moon, for example, mm-hmm. called, or out, it's like a million miles uh, past Earth. It's called the L2 Lagrange point. That's a very popular place for um, uh, like space telescopes, like the James Webb Space Telescope launching later this year is hanging mm-hmm. out there. So the L4 and L5 Lagrange points are again going back to that like looking at the solar system from above when jupiter's at midnight or is it at 12 o'clock at 10 and 2 or the l4 and l5 lagrange points mm-hmm. and so the swarms tend to congregate around there what makes them really interesting um for the purposes of the jupiter trojans is these are pretty stable this is a stable configuration over you know long term mm-hmm. which makes it really hard to get into this configuration in the first place which it means that these things probably got kind of shaken, rattled, and rolled into these orbits in the early days of the solar system when the planets kind of migrated into their current orbit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact that these populations are pretty stable over you know, the billions of years of our solar system's history makes them really good uh, records for how the planet's orbit kind of shifted into their current configuration. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you if, if, if part of this is to try to kind of peek inside the primordial soup, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, not just Lucy, but you know, a variety of, of missions, such as NASA's OSIRIS-REx missions, um, the Japanese space agency JAXA's Hayabusa and Hayabusa 2 missions. Um, these objects, because they are they formed really early in the solar system's infancy, and compared to the planets, have had very stable you know, geologies. These things are far more pristine records of what was going on in the early days of the solar system. You know, what formed where, what was their chemistry, what were the building blocks of the planets themselves. And we can do a lot by doing flybys of these objects like Lucy will do to see the cratering on these bodies, the colors, the elements on the surface, that sort of thing. And then it's also really helpful in the case of OSIRIS-REx and the Hayabusa mission to actually return some of the material from uh, closer asteroids to Earth and actually be able to study this material in a lab and see the chemistry up close. It gives us a much finer sense you know, overall, all of these missions give us, give us a really good sense of how, you know, the, the disk of stuff that surrounded the infant sun coalesced and accreted into the solar system objects we see today, including our little humble home, Earth. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The uh, the imagery is 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 fantastic and al always is with with National Geographic obviously but it, to look at some of these 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 photographs that have been returned from from other missions and what they're expecting to potentially see with 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 Lucy uh, is someone that, that deals with this in these incredible images all the time are you are you amazed by by some of this still these images that come back oh yeah absolutely I mean I think about um, the imagery returned from NASA's New Horizons probe, you know, in early 2019, when it flew by an object called, at the time, 2014 MU69, okay. this small little sort of flattened, almost snowman-looking thing. To be, uh, I think it's something like 20 miles long, but it's this this little ruddy red snowman-shaped thing um, way out past Pluto, and it's part of a, a, a group of objects called the Cold Classical Hyperbelt. Basically, these things have very circular orbits, super boring uh, orbits. They've been, they basically have been orbiting for four and a half billion years where they formed. And I remember seeing this image that, you know, that New Horizons returned, and it was it was stunning to me to be able to see an object like this, because this is like the, the farthest flyby that any human craft had ever done, ever, you know, well past Pluto. Mm -hmm. But to be able to see this thing and to make sense of it as not just a dot in the sky, but a world unto itself is really amazing. I mean, the same thing goes for, you know, OSIRIS-REx, for example. I mean, this arrived at the near-Earth asteroid Bennu in late 2018, orbited it, orbited it for um, nearly two years in order to map the surface to find a spot to sample. And to think we didn't discover that asteroid, Bennu, until September 1999. 
Less than 20 years later, we had a spacecraft in orbit around it, preparing to take a sample from that object and return it to Earth. That, I think, is what's so cool about this moment in particular, is that at a staggering rate, we are going from not knowing an object's there to identifying it as sort of a pinprick of light in the sky, and then being able to resolve that pinprick of light as a world unto itself. I think that is such a, a powerful thing and one that you know really motivated a lot of the work in this story. Michael, I know you you, you uh, met with two of the principal investigators working on the this first L Lucy mission. From NASA's mm -hmm. from from NASA's perspective, what are they what are they hoping to accomplish? What are they hoping to see? Well, uh, Hal Levison and Cal Kathy Olkin, the the principal and deputy principal investigators of Lucy, really see these objects as sort of the fossils of the early solar system. Uh, in fact, that's why the mission's called Lucy in the first place. It's a nod to this um, this famous skeleton, which is nicknamed Lucy, um, of a, a human ancestral cousin um, called Australopithecus afarensis, um, which told us a lot about how, you know, traits like walking on our, you know, on our two legs, et cetera, yeah, first evolved in humans and their ancestors. And so they see the Jupiter Trojans as this similarly rich sort of quote-unquote fossil trove. Um, these objects, what they're made of, how they orbit, um, when they arrived in this configuration should tell us a lot about uh, how the early solar system kind of settled into its current configuration. Um, odds are really, really good the planet's particularly the, the gas giants uh, and ice giants, mm -hmm. you know, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, didn't form where they currently orbit the sun. They probably formed closer, and then somehow their, their orbits kind of got spooled outward. The question is how and when and why. The Jupiter Trojan should provide that record and kind of throw down a gauntlet for any further attempt to try to model with computers how the solar system formed and evolved. Because whatever patterns Lucy finds out there, you know, flanking Jupiter, um, those models are going to have to account for that. That's National Geographic science writer Michael Greshko. His cover story on NASA's Lucy spacecraft mission, Mysteries of the Solar System, is featured in this month's National Geographic magazine. For this edition of In the Author's Voice, I'm Jeff Williams.